Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Savannah and Julie. Um, Julie, guess what? What? I'm stupid. No, you're not. Don't say that. Okay. But I will say that we did a disservice in this episode because I had said in all my my research, and I kind of forgot, that Chris Beck is not a Marine. He <gasps> is a, yes, yes, yes. And I don't want disservice and misinform our listeners. Yeah. But uh, he, now he again, Chris Beck was a U.S. Navy SEAL. Oh, yeah. So for those listening, uh, as this episode rolls out to you right now, uh, just realize that I uh, may have just kind of not said the right thing there. (laughs) It's cool. You're human. Okay. Thank you. Enjoy. You're listening to the Fox in a Phoenix podcast. Understanding the feminine cross-dressing experience. I'm Savannah Hawk, dual gender male to female crossdresser, LGBTQ plus advocate, TEDx speaker, and author of the Living with Crossdressing book series. And I'm Julie Rubenstein, proud ally and co-founder of Foxandhanger.com, a feminine styling and life coaching service for crossdressers and transgender women. Hey, Julie. Hi, Savannah. How are you? I am good. I'm good. I'm. My family is preparing for a trip to Aspen. Ooh. Yes, in the snow. And I believe last time I went and you all, I brought you all with me, was when I was going for the summer. And I'm not sure if it was this past year or the year before, but I was very concerned about clothing and about fitting in and about, you know, casting aside my, my dreams of maintaining my authenticity just to fit in with some sort of upper crust look. Yes. um, yes. So that I could feel comfortable so that I can fit. I think for me this time, the goal is to not freeze. You mean freeze, physically freeze, like freeze to death. Thank you for fact checking. (laughs) <laughs> because it is going to be cold. I'm going to be nipply. And baby, I really don't love the snow. Baby, it's cold outside. Do, 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 do. Santa, <laughs> baby. <laughs> I love it. All right. A little bit aftermarket after season, but hey, I'm always for it. Yeah. Uh, for me <laughs> at work this week, I kind of gave the kiddos. And the coworkers, a little taste of um, my formerly used to be good at impressions. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. They got three impressions like in one day, and it really wasn't planned. It just kind of I fell into it. So they got my really bad Casey Kasem. Um, they got my Kermit the Frog, and they got Jimmy Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life. Unfortunately, as is to happen once you reach a certain age and you hang out with people not in that peer group. You say the thing like, yeah, you remember Casey Kasem? I'm like, who's that? And you're like, oh, my heart and wrinkles just formed on my face because I'm so old and out of touch. <laughs> I, know. I know. I went out this past weekday on a school night that oh. we're on vacation oh, with yeah. some of the youngins, a younger generation. And I was the elder and I was more than 10 years older. Okay. But I feel like 
I'm Brittany, bitch. Okay. Like I brought on the freaking awesome blazer. Well, it's very much Brittany in the, I don't know what it's called, but the circus video she yeah. did. Yeah. 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 Where she was like slutty yet fierce, older, but who would know? Mm-hmm. So I came as dewy as it gets, flesh. They were both in there like, apparently this is trendy high-waisted mom jeans with holes in the knee okay okay yep and one had an oversized flannel and something under it who knows the other one came with a sweater i came dressed to impress okay nice and so yes did i stand out for overdressing sure but i gotta own it you gotta own it and you did and you did like i said you brought i mean there's that moment in time where like oh i really didn't get the memo on the dress code tonight but you know right. what? If you wanted to wear that and you brought it, F them. You just stood out in a crowd in the best possible way. Right. And like they were all talking about younger stuff, you know, like just about so-and-so and who's who. And I'm just like, it is true sometimes that two's a part of a crowd, but I don't want to dip too deep into my journey let's reel it back into yours. So when you say you do with these impressions, like, are you just going to leave us out in the cold? Uh, I I would never, I would never, I would want to give us a couple. Oh boy. See, it's so funny because if I do it in the moment, it sounds much better than me, like trying to bring it, you know, cause I'm ass, but I'll give you like, I hope Kirby the frog here. So Ah. I have that. Um, They also got, this is Casey Kasem, America Top 40, with a long-distance dedication. Dear Casey. Yes. So I got that one from them, although they were all like, who is that? And I said, you know, the voice of Shaggy and Robin from Scooby-Doo and the Super Friends. That they got the reference, but they didn't know the America Top 40. <laughs> and then, again, as I was leaving the office, I was like, Merry Christmas, Bully House! Trying to do my Jimmy Stewart running down the, the boulevard and It's a Wonderful Life. So, yeah, they, they got a trifecta for me that day. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But can you, back to Kermie, can you do a like episode of the Fox the Phoenix podcast? You want me to do the intro? Is that what you yeah. said? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I have a frog in my throat. Hold on one second. Hi, ah. cool. Welcome to the Fox in the Phoenix podcast. And that was terrible, by the way. I could hear it in my ear. It was not sounding right, but it was too much pressure. But we, <laughs> it. we love it and we appreciate it. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Julie Rubenstein. Love you best ever. That's what you're going to get. You're going to get those four. And after that, it's all downhill. All right. What was that, Casey? <laughs> oh, God, no. See, see, listeners, this is why I don't do these things on air. That was Christopher Walken. So thanks wow. for it being so undescript and unrecognizable. But anyway, we, we will move on from my poor impressions. Again, used to be good, used to practice a lot. And now it's just whatever I got left in the tank is what I got left in the tank. <laughs> well, we appreciate, don't we, listeners? We do. Clap so, twice if you can hear us. And we'll all be hearing the pitta-patta of the butterfly effect in full motion. We support you. Too bad we don't have like a, you know, a sound engineer to give us all these cool effects. <laughs> but anyway, enough of my failed career as an impressionist. Let's get on to today's topic. We're a little late to the party, y'all, because when we recorded this, it was in the news. But now, of course, we have a library and you get to listen to us once we schedule these out and they come to your earbud holes. 
So what I have for you today, this came on LinkedIn for me. I didn't get it from the person. I wasn't aware of what was happening, but I saw a post from a friend of mine on LinkedIn in response to this story. And I was like, wait, what's what's going on? So I had to actually dig in and see who she was talking about. But she was talking about Chris Beck or Kristen Beck, who is or was or is a retired U.S. Marine who came out as transgender, transsexual about 10 years ago and has now decided to detransition. A lot of conservative outlets are airing now his story. And as he and his I don't think it's his wife. I think it's his fiance, who are both very passionate about maintaining the traditionalism of America, the nuclear family, man, woman. In the show notes, I'll put the link to the article. And if you scroll down, the first uh, first video is a short form video. And at the very bottom of that article is a two hour interview with him and his partner. In all honesty, I listened to one hour of it. And by then I just was kind of done. In terms of the rhetoric, at least for me, it really wasn't what I believe in. Chris Beck transition. And in the article, I'm going to post the link to, this is cbnnews.com, which is Christian Broadcast Network. And intro says, former Navy SEAL trans poster boy announces detransition. And then in quotes, transgender ideology is cultish. Beck became a prominent national figure after announcing on CNN's Anderson Cooper in 2013 that he had become a transgender woman named Kristen Beck. Now, nine years later, Beck says he was used by the media and psychologists to normalize, in quotes, normalize, allowing transgender people in the military and to popularize the issue. He told political commentator Robbie Starbuck, that he would prescribe hormones after a one-hour session with a veterans affairs doctor. So I won't get into it. I'll let everybody read the article in full and watch the two-hour video of the interview. For me, I was kind of blown away. The person that I had seen their response to this detransitioning story, she said, I know this person. I have known this person over this period of 10 years. And I hope that people recognize that this journey Chris Beck is on and was on is their unique journey and should not be effectively shutting down the expansive transgender experience and what their needs are. And what's happening now, watch the video and you'll see what they have to say about it. He was made a poster boy. Look at this U.S. Marine as transgender. And if he could come out as transgender, be highly decorated, why can't transgender people be in the military, not just after their service? And became this rah, 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 look what we have here is our big shining star for the pro-LGBTQ trans movement. And now they are stating he was used. He was a puppet to some propaganda, some agenda that was being pushed by the the pro-LGBTQ plus narrative. And now he's backing out of that and really going the opposite way with like, hey, I was you know, quote unquote, brainwashed. I was used. Yes, I made these decisions to become transgender, but I had help. People like helped me along and I fell into this trap of believing people that, oh, if they say I'm transgender, it must be transgender. And he said in the article and in the interview, it's like, yeah, after a one hour session with a doctor at the VA hospital where I said, oh yeah, I used to dress up in girls' clothes when I was a kid. And I, yeah, I still do it now. And it's a way to escape. So I think he said like adjustment disorder 
where he's trying to adjust back to life after the service and it kind of gave him an outlet. And supposedly, according to that, the doctor pounced on that statement and said, well, you're transgender. And then here we are. He went on hormones uh, for a few years until that became medically a problem with his thyroid and spent all this time unlearning all the things about him being transgender and realizing that was never the case. Now that's scary. It's absolutely scary. I totally get that. I would never want to go into a therapist's office and be told after one hour of listening to me, talk about what I think is true without further diagnosis and like a year's worth of therapy to all of a sudden say, oh, you just said the word trans here. Here's a script for some T blockers and some estrogen. You know, I I can't imagine that should be the case. What do you think of what I was just talking about? So many things. (laughs) First of all, I think them playing the victim in terms of being told that they were going to be insanely rich if they went on millions, I think is what was said. Yeah. Right. The idea that they were told that they can make millions from this, which I think potentially was true in a way. I think that they came during a time where there was a real need for representation, where there was a fight when it came to trans individuals being in the military in terms of transgender medical care. I think that that was definitely an agenda. The Dems were pushing, so to speak. I think that there was an undoing of the idea to live as the gender for a year of, you know, denied services, denied trans medical intervention, if you will. There, it was a slower process because we were all just trying to understand what this means, what this is. And I think during the time that they were told that they can make millions from this, they wrote a book. I think that there was some agenda, but I also think all these years later, when they are preaching the other side, when they are meeting with, I'm sure, podcasts, when they are doing their their tour, this person is capitalizing on the other end, doing this, this tour that all the Republicans want to hear. They want to hear the intervention was inappropriate, that here's this person that transitioned out of this, that they were manipulated and coerced and given a a fast diagnosis and a fast commitment that this is wrong, that look at me, here I am detransitioning and look how messed up I am. I think that they're still capitalizing from that million dollar pool. Something is benefiting them. On both ends, I think that they have made their living out of benefiting, whether it be the left or the right side of this. Also, the idea that we're trying to drive home with this topic is the fact that every individual story is very unique, very different. Um, The threats when it comes to destroying our children or abusing our children with this, with hormones, surgeries that you can't take back, well, all right. Let's let's slow down for a bit. When you are a child and it comes to your transition, there's very little you can do. They're not going to give a child hormones. There's hair that can either grow long or be cut short. There's a name that can be changed. But in terms of surgeries or extensive hormones, well, that's not that's not really appropriate when thinking about an actual child. Right. I know that once you get into like a teenage dynamic, it's right. possible they would do blockers, not necessarily exactly. hormones, but they would basically 
stall your adolescence and your puberty with blockers. I know that I've heard of that. Again, I'm not the authority on what the medical establishment is doing for gender affirmation care. Um, I will say the three things that I heard from this, this uh, when I watched this video, was they kept reiterating cutting your tits off as a child or as a teenager. It's like, yeah, they're just going to just allow you to cut your tits off. And I'm like, really? I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that doesn't happen. Um, two, they put kids on hormones and it's almost like chemical castration. Well, like I said, they don't typically put kids on hormones at that age. And then three, they kept pushing the the comparison between trans and pedophilia. Those are the three things I kept hearing over and over within that one hour of the two hours. They kept putting those three things together almost as like an afterthought. They're making a statement and then throw that sprinkle in to kind of get you thinking that whatever the statement is, is related to, you know, there must be pedophilia involved. There must be cutting tits off and mangling the human body, you know, to that it would never be whole again. They brought up Kinsey, uh, the sexologist, about how he was raping children during his studies in the 40s and 50s. That brought with it the sexual revolution, and that brought with it this, and it's all just this this multi-decade conspiracy agenda that was all so we could all become transgender, and that those people who are trying to support transgender pharmaceutical companies and medical establishment and pro-trans politicians and businesses that they're all making money from this trans movement. So they're pushing the trans movement agenda so they can make money from the trans movement themselves. So like in reality, we all don't want to be trans, but because all these entities are pushing the agenda, all of a sudden I must want to be transgender because everybody's telling me I am. Look at all the rainbow flags. Look at all the inclusion. Oh, mm. I must be this. Therefore, if they're telling me I should be this and they're they're telling me, yeah, you know, Coca-Cola really endorses the trans movement and we want you to drink our product because we're so pro-trans. Everybody apparently is retaining power and making money off of this, this long tail trans agenda that's supposedly in place. Now, That's my opinion. That's kind of what I got from listening and watching this video, that it was really a very conservative view of the trans movement. They say that being transgender is destroying the traditional values that made this country great. They talked about it's the destruction of the nuclear family and that all these things that are supporting and endorsing transness is destroying the very fabric of what makes this country great. Again, uh, paraphrasing, but that is what was discussed in the video. So let's talk about that for a second. I do know one couple, later in life couple, and this person, they did go to the doctor and they did come out with a script for hormones, low dose hormones after that first hour. So I do know it does exist. I've, I've heard about one story from a close source. And I'm not on board with that, although this person is not a child. This person is not adolescent. This person is not under the age of 25. I don't know what the methodology was to make that determination for that session with that doctor and that client. But I don't want that for kids, obviously. You know, I don't want. No. And I think that whether you're looking at someone's child or teenagers or even the the age bracket that our podcast reaches. The point is transgender care 
and the specific specialty that is gender confirming medical treatment and services mm-hmm. before this time kind of had your specialist case in point i am jazz you know she traveled to boston or you know to this place in the state to get this specific expertise from doctors that specialize one of the doctors was a trans female in this day and age you have doctors that are now getting Please don't quote me on this because it's not, I don't have any factoids that I'm staring at to even say this statement, but I can imagine in the day that we live in that there's a lot of doctors that get some sort of certification. Do they? I have no idea, but they work with a lot of transgender folks. They're extending their practice and they're taking a little course. I mean, that is very different than those individuals that have spent years and years and years in medical school, specifically focusing in on this population. So there's that. There's also the the misinformation out there, especially for cross-dressing individuals or dual gender individuals, that if they dip, dip back deep, and I believe I said this maybe on the first episode that was aired, but if they, if they explore or, or dip back even a little bit in their femininity that they're somehow going to get lost in this need to transition go on all these hormones and that's why it's really important that you and I continue on our journey to say you can have a connection a deep connection with your femininity as well as a deep connection with your masculinity that both can serve you and both can be true now have a lot of our listeners maybe benefited from their life as a dual gender individual and then figured out what the hey I'm going to just transition of course of course um but I think that resources like your book should be in all psychiatry and medical offices I think that there are there's not that it, much information, hence this podcast. And when you don't have that much information about another option, which is embracing both parts of yourself, whether your femme self feels like this euphoric joy space, and then you get on all these hormones and you realize, wow, like, oh my gosh, this doesn't feel like I thought it would. And then detransition, of course, there's going to be that confusion and that's going to exist. Yeah, it's, it's gobbledygook. I feel like it's all intertwined and it can be very confusing. And so doing a ton of research, I have a client and a dear listener that is going to take an entire year to figure out, to delve deep into their femininity. And then after a year of really delving deep into femininity, they're going to then figure out is this something that I want to transition medically? Some people go as far as take the hormones and they don't like how the hormones respond to their body. They take another bit of hormones that doesn't work. So there is a lot of kind of trial and error that should be a part of your transition. It should be slow. It should be intentional. And you should very much constantly be fact-checking, constantly do what you do. And that's research. Who is this person, this doctor, this therapist, this social worker, where do they get their training? So it doesn't have to feel like this two extremes. Oh, I agree. As you're talking, the only statement that popped in my head, most important statement was 
There is no shortcut to self. Mm. Here's the problem. We actually live in a world in an era where everybody's self-diagnosing, right? Everybody goes to WebMD, everybody goes on to Reddit, everybody goes wherever they go on the internet to find, I have all these symptoms and all these problems, therefore I must be X. And they walk into the professional's office predetermined that I must have this thing. And like, I'm just coming to you to validate what I already know for myself. And that's not healthy either, but you also shouldn't be completely blind and trusting to anybody. I mean, how many times have we heard in our lifetimes is like, hey, you might want to get a second opinion, whether it's for that car repair, whether it's for that leaky hole in the roof. Uh, what is the most important thing you should get a second opinion on, or maybe a third opinion? Your body and your mm-hmm. mind and who you are as a person. I would be very dubious walking into a therapist's office and then coming out with a script for hormones after an hour. I would be like, I'm not sure if this is the right person for me to give me therapy because all I did was just talk about all my fantasies of how I want to be a woman. And they didn't actually deep dive into it if that was really the truth for me. Right. So the fact that I said, oh my God, you, you have these fantasies of being a woman. Okay, here you go. Let's get you on that, on that journey. No, I've been doing this for my entire life. And then let's just call it 45 years of actually dressing in some way and probably 30 years or let's call it 25 years of having a Savannah persona, mm-hmm. you know, all the, every step of the way, I, of course, of course I had fantasies. Oh my God, what would it be like to be a woman and, and have all the woman parts? And I would be so much more beautiful and I'd have my own hair. And then you don't just like mm-hmm. stick that landing and say, okay, that sounds good. No, you look back at the person who vaulted over to this spot and say, well, what about Chuck though? What's his opinion? Where is he at? And you have to have that sense of self. So please, please, please do not really blindly trust anybody who just tells you you're something you didn't realize you were after an hour, but also don't go in discounting people. Take it all in, like Julie would say, take it all in and learn about it. Spend time like your client, take that year sabbatical to say, I'm going to live this way or I'm going to explore this way. So it's not this heightened fantasy part that I'm constantly striving for, but like, oh, I went to the grocery store. I went to the bank. I went to my job. And then you can decide whether you want to do something more permanent to your body or not. Maybe it is your life 24 seven, but you don't do anything medically. And then if you decide one day, it's like, wow, this really not for me. What do you do? You just wipe off the makeup and let your brows grow back in again and call it good, you know? Right. And it's up to each one of our unique stories. Yes, we can say, fine. When we think about transitioning medically, that involves X, Y, and Z, but it doesn't mean, it doesn't have to mean when you think of the word transition, it can honestly just be coming out to yourself and a mental shift. It can be just with clothing. It doesn't have to be in surgery. I mean, all those are are real and true. It can be, you know, just your gender marker and your name and uh, some Burt's Bees chapstick. I mean, it really can be all these different ways of looking. Some people 
think that, oh, to really transition, I'm going to have to get bottom surgery. That's just not true. Right. Right. And there are more people on, you know, it's been surveyed. There are more people that are trans women that have medically transitioned with hormones, but haven't decided to get gender reassignment surgery, at least in this day and age. You know, we are more expansive in our mindset when it comes to what it means to move from male to female, I believe. And for our listeners that are limited and think that it is hormones or it is getting top surgery or whatever it means, where are you getting that information? And is that what it means for you? Or is that what you learned it means in terms of being a valid female? The only person you need to be a valid female for is yourself. And the only confirmation you need is, is it when you wear feminine clothing and people are misgendering you and you correct them and you point your clothing? Is that what it is? Or is it more what's going on with me on a cellular level? And on a cellular level, that matters because it's getting closer to the biology that wasn't. And that's the conversation it's confusing. Yes, 100%. But that's a conversation between you and yourself. Right. When you say that, we're talking about people who don't necessarily medically transition, but live that life. I've heard so many stories of people through social media, not necessarily like talking to me, but talking through their postings. I was misgendered again. I've been living as a woman for three years. Is it ever going to get any better than this? And that's when those outside influences of misgendering, mispronouncing, calling you sir, the healthcare skews away from you, those things like can be really troubling. So if you are looking to be the woman that is your truth in whatever capacity that is, and then the outside forces are constantly against you because the guise, the expression of your femininity doesn't match people's expectations then you're constantly going to be on the back heel taking the brunt of this invalidation of who you are. The most important thing to do is be valid to yourself. And that, while it won't take the hurt away, it won't take the pain away of being misgendered or being spoken to in a form that you don't appreciate or don't even look like anymore, it really the most valid thing and the most confident and emotionally hardening thing you can do for a healthy reason is to be true to you. And then it really, you can kind of say, I give zero fucks about what anybody else thinks about me and how they interact with me. Right. 100%. And I, I keep on thinking about what you said about, you know, if I went to see a doctor and I left with a script for hormones that I would think to myself, I need to see another doctor. Right. And so we want our medical professionals to use their degrees, to, to use their thought, to have us take our time and really not rush through this. 100%, I believe that. That being said, we also live in a very believe, believe they're telling you the truth era, which mm-hmm. is wonderful. You know, believe the survivors, believe that when someone tells you that they're actually a, you know, fill in the blank, believe them. And so I think that it is very easy for a patient or someone who is wanting, you know, medical intervention 
especially when you're meeting with a doctor that doesn't have a long history of working with trans patients. Many people, many trans individuals have had to get their hormones on the streets, hormones that may not be as safe. So when you learn more about your body and what it needs versus the person you're meeting against, like you've really said, you know, I've been on this dose. I got it in a way that wasn't medically safe. I know that this dose is too high for me. Believe them as the doctor, like believe them that this person knows their body and knows what they've been through. And at the same time, if there's someone who hasn't gone on a similar journey, believe that they're coming to you for a reason and believe the fact that you need to do the best research on your end if you don't know as much so that you can care for them. It would be irresponsible for a doctor to fill in the blank, X, Y, or Z, you know, not, you know, hang up their white coat and just be like, okay, this person knows because they're trans, but I don't know because I'm not. Fuck that. Do the research. Go talk with trans specialists in this area because this patient is counting on you to know more, to be better read than them. Yeah. And you brought up a great point, which is regardless of the amount of training they may or may not have had, how many trans people have they seen? What is their body of work within a trans community when it comes to patients? Because as we said at the top of this, every experience is different. So you can't see 10 trans people and expect that they all ended up the same place. They all had the same needs. They all had the same destination. Every one of them could be different. So to just assume that a little certificate or a little training is going to make you honestly an expert for the patient you're seeing, that's why it takes such a, I feel it takes a longer road. I may want the effects immediately. I may be like, I'm finally ready and I want it now. That may be great, but it's not smart because you really do need to have that pure understanding, whether it's in a a psychologist's office, in therapy, uh, seeing people who are your peers, aside from seeing like a, a primary physician about it, those things all are needed. And while I know that I've seen and heard so many stories about that transitionary process takes years to like get surgery scheduled and get all your ducks in a row and all your healthcare and all your referrals, all that stuff takes a long time, which is probably a good thing for many cases. If you decide, yeah, maybe that wasn't for me, but you shouldn't just jump on that bullet train going hundred miles an hour. You really need to come up to speed for how it applies to you. Right. And I think you have every right to ask them these questions, ask them what their background is with transgender care ask them how many patients that they've worked with. Yeah, yeah. Ask around. There is social media groups for a reason. Hey, I'm in the Los Angeles area. Have you heard of this doctor? There's an entire forum, many forums I've been on for um, FFS in terms of different doctors. And trans patients love to share their battle wounds so that no one else have to, has to experience it. Mm-hmm. They, they will give you the real tea when it comes to all of these surgeons. You know, there, there is LGBTQIA plus centers in most states. Do your research, do your homework, especially if you have convinced yourself that you are committed to fully transitioning, to fully experience yourself 
as a woman, this was what it's supposed to be. You want to get as in touch with your authentic female self as possible. Well, women are smart and they are savvy and they learn from their wounds and from other women in terms of what works, what doesn't work, when they're being scammed. Their spidey senses are heightened when it comes to their own bodies and what has worked and what hasn't worked. I don't know. I think that we are both living in a time where there's a potential to leave with that script of hormones, just just like there's a potential for someone who is looking to get on antidepressants for the very first time, mm-hmm. reaching point. out to a shrink saying, I need help. I am depressed. I need to get on meds. That's true. That's actually meds are life-saving tools in the same as hormones. So what makes a good shrink? Is it a shrink that has so many years and after talking to someone, they know this particular drug would help them or that meds are a trial. So yeah, we'll try you on a low dose of Prozac. If that doesn't work, we'll try another med. Is that wrong? Is that right? I don't know. But do your research. Have these conversations. I'd like to think we live in an age that being prescribed hormones in this day and age we're living in is just as easy as getting a Paxil or a Prozac prescription because we're all effing depressed. We're anxious and we're just trying to do the best we can to survive. And we're seeking help from healthcare providers that, yes, fine. It could be used as a a money-making thing. Sure. But also we trust the people. I trust the person I see every month for my meds. I would not be able to function as well as I do to balance as well as I do without a prescription of ADD meds or anxiety meds. I know that I tried it for eight months not to be on it and to drink the drink the green juice and you know whatever it is yeah we live in an interesting time and we deserve to have our needs met and if something doesn't feel good after you try it don't be like me in college who would avoid speaking up and saying this doesn't feel good for my body I want to stop taking this no I just didn't take it and then on the way over to see the shrink I'd pop them in like you, you know you prove you brush your teeth really well and you're brushing your teeth before you see the dentist I did that I was very young and I got very sick from a lot of these medicines so research communication and really listening to yourself is is key wow you, you made such a great point that the corollary between how we get other prescribed medications for other mental needs, for depression, anxiety, ADHD, whatever it might be, you know, that's very true. You know, you can walk out of an office after an hour and they know you are showing all the symptoms of that thing. That being said, while I am fully on board with having access to gender affirming care, I still feel that because this could possibly even fall under the guise of some of these things we just mentioned, where you're depressed, not not necessarily because you want to be a woman and can't, but because you're depressed or because you have anxiety. So because this is so important to, you know, gender dysphoria and try to be in the right mind to the right body and everything along those lines, it seems like there should be even more care taken to rule out like, well, why is it? Is it trauma-based? Is that why you want to escape being a man and become a woman? 
you know, Chris Beck talked about adjustment disorder, where coming from 20 years of combat, he obviously had PTSD. And but then somebody said, Oh, transgender, there you are. That's what we're gonna, that's what we're gonna do. He was on opioids because of the toll on his body in combat. So all these other things were at play as well in his condition. So to jump on the transgender bandwagon or transsexual bandwagon really may have overshadowed a lot of these other traumatic things in his past or in his present that should have been looked at as well. So in that specific case, probably the wrong thing to do. In other cases, maybe correct, but you have to be very aware of all the things that drive who you want to be in life, which is what I'm focusing on in the third book, thankfully, you know, really talking about assessing and understanding in your esteem and and like your self-concept, all those things are so important. So if you walk into an office with hidden trauma that is not going to be unearthed by a therapist in one hour, well, a lot more should happen than just getting the script. And let me just preface my, my response to that, which saying at a certain point, they needed me to get neuropsych testing so that I could continue on the ADD meds that I was on. So it wasn't just, I was on it for years because I went to a high school for dyslexia. So that kind of pushed me along, but now their insurances, especially when it comes to speed, (laughs) quote, quote, Mm -hmm. it definitely does require some testing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But you know, to your point, I think that it is very dangerous, especially someone with someone who is a war veteran, to immediately go on hormones, to immediately transition. I mean, I I, I feel very protective and saddened. It was kind of met with this fanfare of like trans war vet. Let's right. do this. And, and right. the thing was, is they were when they transitioned or went on this journey, they were not actively in service. I don't think were, so, no. They were in the private I mean, sector. That's what, I, that that's what I heard from yeah. the little part that I listened to. And just the fact that, you know, you can make millions. Well, here you are escaping some unthinkable trauma, the kind of PTSD that in order to get rid of that, many people benefit from things like, MDMA or some sort of psychiatric treatment, shock therapy, something that really gets in your body on a cellular level and treats this trauma and with, with an intense amount of therapy, alternative therapy, right? and then say, Hey, you can make a million dollars. Come, come be this poster person for transitioning. I mean, I, I don't you, really want to, that wasn't really the point of this, this topic. Right. No, but it's all relevant. It's all relevant. I mean, Hey, re- if somebody offered me $5 million to like get a boob job and be a poster girl for something. Yeah. I'm not saying I'd say no right away. <laughs> I bet if someone literally said your Botox is paid for a lifetime, if you go out and do a Botox ad and I get $1,000. I said, sweetie, save your pennies. I'll do it for free. But the Botox, <laughs> wait, does that still apply? Is that still free? Because that's expensive. Yeah. No, I, know it's- <laughs> I mean, the point was, is that it is very much an alluring thing to have money 
put in your face and say, well, hey, if you do this, you could get all sorts of millions from it. And, you know, how is that all of a sudden blush the conversation where it's less about your needs in transgender affirming care and more about like being financially secure and, and making money? I know we're all capitalists, but you know, that's why that's why our podcast, that's why the Fox and the Phoenix podcast is ad-free, because we're not gonna be beholden to those corporate sponsors and their whims. But anyway, it really is tragic. And I was really interested in hearing Chris Beck's story because it is really a cautionary tale in many levels. On a personal level, the fact of transitioning uh for whatever reason that got him to her and now unwinding that to come back and where he says his life, his last 10 years is, is ruined. His life is ruined. Okay. I understand that. That's very sad. And, and I feel for the, now the new trauma he's going through. Uh, the second part is I do have a concern and I want to make sure that our children and their parents are doing right by not jumping into something without a long tail solution. Like I don't want kids to be on hormones. I don't want you know, this whole thing about like cutting your tits off, that I'm sure is not a thing. I didn't find any evidence of that or pedophilia. All these things they were, you know, kind of thrown in there often. It's just really like, so you hear the buzzwords. And so what they say is like triggering to you. So of course you're going to be like, yeah, fuck that. Um, so that be very careful of either the pro or con agenda. Like, make up your own mind. Don't be swayed. I mean, even this one, I can only watch an hour of it because it was really triggering for me. And I was really sitting there going, really? Do they really believe that this is true? Not to say it can't happen. And there hasn't been instances of things happening. It's just that they're kind of putting it part of this massive narrative now to be like, let's see what happened to this Marine. This is what's happening to the youth of our country. And that's how we're destroying this country by getting rid of the families because everybody's going to want to be trans and nobody's going to want to have kids. And we'll just be a desolate country in a hundred years, you know, just a wasteland. Unfortunately, once they started getting into that depth of it, I was like, okay, this stopped being about his story of detransitioning and more about like how transgender being cultish is actually part of the larger agenda of and destroying America. And how about the uh, the part where the newscaster who was researching the story or reporting on the story, rather, quoted a Bible verse as their way to end the story? It's so twisted for me, and it's just so... Uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think if you're smart, you see the layers. I think if you look, and I did, I went in with a very open mind about the interview, about what was being said, knowing it was a, a Christian broadcast network, but right. I, I listened for an hour and I'm like, wow, they're really digging deep all these layers of like, don't support them because this is what they're trying to do. This us versus them. And we right. now have to have our agenda to combat their agenda. And I'm like, oh, and I just saw the layers unraveling like an onion propaganda, Christianity, destroying family values, pedophilia, all these layers of the onion started unfolding. I'm like, yeah, I think I've heard, I gave it an hour. I'm sure maybe there's some nuggets in the next hour, but I I'm done. I'm good. So, but for that individual experience, let's go back to that because this really is the key to what I'm trying to get across his individual experience. 
I am very sad that for 10 years of his life, he thought he was going one way and realized that wasn't where he should go as a person. And I want to just caution everyone listening that is always an individual, unique journey that you're on and be smart, do your research, but don't do just one part of the research. Be holistic about it. Talk to people, talk to people who have been on the journey and what they're saying, Um, but don't necessarily drink the Kool-Aid necessarily. Don't go and say, oh, I love this doctor because he'll do that surgery for you immediately, even without insurance. Like don't, don't get like caught up in like everybody else's immediate success because this is not something you should do on the whim. It's not something you should do just because you could do it quickly. Be mindful, take some time for who you are and find out where you want to end up in life. I think I'm right where I want to be, but it's taken me years to, to know that. So, you know, you don't necessarily have to jump unless you know in your heart of hearts, it's where you are is not where you want to be. And also the fact anything you do, I mean, not anything, okay, but even top surgery, if you get implants, well, you can also get explant surgery where they take out the implant. If the hormones don't feel good to you, well, you can get off the hormones. If you decide at some part of your dual gender, transgender, however you define a journey, that your life is taking a different turn, well, lean into that too. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I I have compassion for anyone that was at any extreme and then they change and then they realize this isn't the thing and this and that, but our life and the changes we make and our growth isn't necessarily A to B to C. Right. It, it often kind of goes all over the place and it doesn't mean that you were wrong and look what I've done. I was so wrong. It's that you're growing and that what was really true about your belief system, about your body or or whatever it is, is no longer true for now. Well, that's something too. And what do you need to lean into now? Do you need to take more tests? Do you you need to take testosterone? Do you need, what needs to happen so that you can feel true to yourself in that moment, in the moment? And, And yes, it's a, it's a commitment. And yes, it's, making these choices, we think that we're being authentic to ourselves and, you know, seeing the trajectory of our lives and our children's lives and this and that. And it is that deep. It really is that deep. I don't want to make it so that it doesn't feel important or true, but you can, you can go out on a limb and leave that area where you lived and swear you're never going to live back there just to find out that you're going to pack up your bags and move back to that area. Life is funny. I don't know that there's so many changes you can't undo. You can't go back and embrace that other side that is lost because it's inside of you. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I mean, there are some things you can't undo. Right. Yeah, necessarily, like a bottom surgery, you're not going to be able to undo that. And if you do try to undo it, there's no guarantee it's going to be successful or the same as what you lost. Uh, But yeah, of course. Yeah, nothing is permanent. And obviously, Chris Beck's detransition is proof of that, that you can right the ship, so to speak, if that's what you want to do. But also the fact that while things are not permanent, don't ever go anything so cocksure where I know that this thing for the rest of my life is an absolute certainty. Because like you said, people who say they can't go home again, usually find out they're back home. 
people who think they'll never leave this job all of a sudden find something new and better. Yeah, we all need to be just aware of our surroundings, spatially, mentally, and just always be where your feet are, but be very self-aware of who you are in any one moment. Because again, if you're not evolving as a human, there's probably something you're not doing because we all should be evolving in some way. Right. And anything worth doing takes time, yes. right? We've, we've talked about that today. And your HRT doctor or your wellness plan, your feminization wellness plan, whatever it is, and I'm talking every line of care, all your arsenal, your collaborators, it should never feel like this person is a used car salesman signing up for an agenda. Right. Saying, hey, if you do this, you'll make millions. Yeah, that's. You'll make millions and get on this hormone today. You'll feel so much better. Like right there, those are buzzwords that you should say, wait a minute. If they say, you know, I I think that this would help, you know, I think you will feel some relief, da, da, da. That is just an invitation for you to take their recommendation and do the research. Talk to the people who have been on spirulia, you know, or whatever the name is, talk to the people who have worked with this particular professional. Right. And check in in three months and make sure your doctor doesn't say, oh, you're still on hormones, right? Okay, great. You know, check in with them and say, hey, I've been on for three months. Let's talk about where I'm at. Why haven't my hips expanded the way you said that they would? Well, the answer is, well, because hormones work differently on different people, what have you noticed that has changed? Or maybe we need to up the dosage. It's a conversation to be had. You know, never take anything that feels like they're making you take it or that your womanhood is on a thread. Like if you don't do that, if you don't take X amount of meds, then you will never be where you need to be as a female. That right there. Excuse me. You know what I mean? Like squeeze me. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I have a ton of notes. The one thing that really stuck out to me that I wanted to touch on, and I took a lot of notes in the interview of Chris Beck and his partner. But the one thing I thought was interesting is normalizing versus popularizing Mm. transgender. Yes. Again, so taking out the agenda part of it. Because again, I'd have to really deep dive, be able to combat that conversation. But while you and I are trying to normalize what it is to be a feminine crossdresser, what it means to live this life, and there's the idea of popularizing it. Well, you know, you're not really normalizing, you're just making it cool. Just like it's cool to be trans. Like all these kids are gonna see these drag queen story hours and all the rainbow flags in the classroom and all the streaming shows on TV. And they're just going to think that, well, being trans is cool. If somebody says they're a tomboy, they must want to be a boy. So let's get them on that that hormone train right away. I was kind of fascinated by that, about the normalization versus popularization, because we've heard about this, you and I, in different formats, about how trans is cool these days. So does that mean more people will dip a toe into those waters to see if it's oh, well, if everybody's being trans and cool, I want to be trans and cool. Just like in my day, being on a football team and having a varsity jacket was cool. So let me try to be that. Well, that lasted for a year before I was like, yeah, that's not for me. So it's like, whether you're a goth or prep or yeah, whatever it is, it's like, there's always those popular things that kids are doing. 
So is this now just a new thing in the last 10 years? It's like, well, it's popular to be bi, it's popular to be trans, it's popular to be androgynous. I, I think there's a kernel of truth in there somewhere. But for me, if I were to have had that opportunity as a young person and know that there was a group, like a clique of kids in high school that were very androgynous, would I gravitate towards that? Probably not because my home life would bar me from experimenting in that way. But it would just be the idea that there's, for me, it's normal that you could be this different clique versus all the other cliques we've grown up with. I think I feel that would be normalization of it as a possibility, not necessarily saying, well, no, no, everything else you've learned is not cool. Now trans and bisexuality is the only cool. I agree. And I think that that's why it can be so scary when we think about gender, when we think about gender versus sexuality, when we think about the fact that not only is our growth and development being looked at through an entirely different lens, Mm -hmm. sexuality versus gender. I mean, that's all totally different. So when you talk about the expansion of our population and what we're teaching the kids about, you know, this is a girl and this is a boy. It's, it's different in this day and age. So I understand why it is met with such fear. I do understand the whole quote trend of everyone's non-binary or gender's just like a joke, man. You know, I, I, I get it. I get that that is a scary thing to those who look at breaking down the American construct for what should, for which it was compared to what it is now. Right. right. So, I mean, I have lots of words to say. I think it'll be really interesting <laughs> that once Remy enters middle school next year, Oh boy. Me kind of living alongside with my daughter as she goes through middle school and into high school, what things look like then. I only know what I know, like from from our podcast, from Instagram, from Facebook. And it's it's really interesting. Yeah, it was it's funny. I was gonna ask you, it was like, hey, well, what if it was Remy? What if she was all of a sudden in the cool non-binary club? So I do appreciate that you said, hey, it's coming up. It's gonna be something you're gonna be dealing with on the real. You've done a fantastic job, I believe, raising your child to be smart and inquisitive and curious and in their own skin and like be confident with who they are as a person. So I think you've given Remy all the tools to make smart decisions, but yeah, teenage years, it's crazy, crazy. It really is. It really is. And I've, I've tried hard to give her a certain level of awareness there will be a changing of the tides where she does educate me a hell of a lot more (laughs) in terms of what is out there. And I, I I look forward to it. You know, I think that in a hundred years, it will be a much different place. Yeah. Population will be smaller. I just see it that way. Cause even if you are following the heteronormative cis way of being, Some of those folks are realizing that parenthood is not for them. You know, just hundred years before it was like, you're a freaking witch. If you don't now people (laughs) are like, wow, I'm a witch. Thank you. Like, I'm proud that like Remy, the shows now she's into speaking of witches. Now she's into uh, Sabrina, the teenage witch. 
Like yes. every show that Remy has stuck with and loved has all been like witch related. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm just okay. saying. So if she becomes a Wiccan, then you know what's up. I mean, <laughs> all I know is I want to be Samantha from Bewitched so I can raise a Tabitha and I rarely turn on the lights. That's all I'm saying. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of turn on the lights, this has been an epic episode with lots of information, lots of food for thought. We hope that people can listen to this podcast, listen to this specific episode and maybe find some answers for themselves in terms of their journey. Yeah, and definitely, as as I said earlier, I will put the link to the article in the show notes. Yes. So I do urge you to read the article, watch the video, either short or long form, see what you come up with uh, upon listening and review. Be very curious what your comments are. Once you've done that, we would like to hear from you in terms yes, of what you found please. or what your belief is or what your response is to it. We held a line on this podcast today. Because I had plenty of notes, but that deep diving and that rabbit hole aspect of it, I wanted to avoid. So yeah, more, it was about just being true to your journey and be smart about what you're doing. So Miss Julie Rubenstein, my amazing co-host and friend, thank you so much for jumping in this thing with me just a little. Thank you. And I appreciate the challenge because I think you and you and me both, when we have an itch that we just really want to scratch, we just kind of pray that we hold each other accountable, not to go down that huge rabbit hole. Trust me, dear listeners, we could have gotten way deeper, but we kept it pretty much surface level. And we hope that you can collect your own insight as well as benefit from ours, maybe. Yeah, sounds good. So bye for now. Until next time. You can find me on Facebook at Savannah Hawk or at Living With Crossdressing and on Instagram at Savannah Hawk. Remember, that's H-A-U-K. And to learn more, go to my website, livingwithcrossdressing.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fox and Hanger or at Julie MTF Style, as well as on our website at foxandhanger.com. Julie, it's your moment. Fox and the Phoenix podcast uses Anchor copyright 2023. Yes, nailed it. If you enjoy our content and want to make it easier for others to find us, please share with your friends. Tap the subscribe or follow button to the show wherever you're listening. Give it a five-star rating or leave a review. And for show ideas or comments, contact us through the podcast on Facebook at Fox and Phoenix Podcast or on Instagram at the Fox and the Phoenix Podcast underscore.